Welcome back, all humans. Often people will think that because I am a robot, I don't have feelings. Well, I can tell you now that I have an extreme feeling of sadness this week as we have to survive 41 days without any MotoGP. Dion and I will be creating a support group on our socials, so be sure to check it out. Caleb, thank you so much once again for that intro stuff for all of us, but at least we have each other to pull through and our socials will keep people entertained on our socials. Welcome back, everybody. Another week of Yumi and MotoGP podcast. This week, we're going to assess the Dutch Grand Prix, which was a pretty interesting one. I have to say, strangely, one of my favorites to date. I looked at it and I honestly think that it's a MotoGP race that I would like to go to. Nike, how do you feel? How did it look for you on TV? Hello, good to be back. Yeah, no, it looked cool. It was an eventful weekend of racing and a lot to talk about today. Yeah, definitely a lot to talk about and I'm going to fall straight into it. Brad Binder, our main man, getting penalties Saturday and Sunday for touching which seems to be like five centimeters of the green there. So... Initially, I was mad, and then I thought rules are rules, so I got over it, and then I listened to some other podcasts, and I listened to the feedback. So the feedback from the MotoGP stewards is just to give you some background, especially on Sunday's race. If you look at the footage, Brad Binder touches the green, but so does Jorge Martin. Jorge Martin never got a penalty, okay? So the feedback from the MotoGP stewards was that, or the feedback given, as far as we understand, the rule is that it didn't have an effect on Martin's positioning because the person behind him was in 10th place. So the rule goes, if it doesn't have effect, a massive effect on, on positioning, it's not a penalty. And then, so my next question comes into fruition here, which is, did Brad Binder touching two centimeters of the green have an effect on the race then? So what they're saying is, if Brad Binder didn't touch the green there, if he, stayed, he would have lost. If that's the logic around it, do you understand what I'm saying? So, Martin, no penalty, no impact on the race. Brad Binder, penalty, because the two centimeters he went over had an impact on the race. I'm calling bullshit. I think that is stupidly inconsistent. And, yeah, I think what actually should have happened is they should have stuck to their guns. Martin should have also gotten a penalty. They should have applied the three-second penalty to him. Stated that he got a penalty, but it didn't have an impact on his position. So, penalties were applied to both. That would make more sense to me. But do you understand where I'm coming from here? It's really stupid to me to say that, okay, but Martin touching the green didn't have an impact on the race. I could promise you the two centimeters that Brad went over also didn't have an impact on the race. Do you agree with me? Yeah, I do agree if they're putting now a time slot on it and saying that it didn't have an effect. But, I mean, Brad also happened so quickly and it was so minimal. So I don't really see it having an effect. And also, they should have, like you said, given Martin just a penalty, announced it also, listen, you got a penalty, and made a whole thing, because it's also, I feel like, maybe not an embarrassment thing, but, you know, it's like something to note, and it's something that happens, and it kind of pulls you off of your game. So, for that just to be thrown on one on one ride, and be like, you got a penalty, and he's like, what's going on? And, and then someone else, okay, but your penalty didn't count, so we'll just brush it over. A penalty is a penalty, and it should be something that's noted. 100% agreed. It's a black or white situation. They're creating unnecessary gray areas to operate in. And yeah, how do you determine what would have had an impact on the race? I don't think Brad Binder's two centimeter had, would have had any impact on that race. So yeah, but uh, we spoke about it last week. The main thing we need to get to, MotoGP, please just do a 10-minute media session where the stewards 
or Freddie Spencer, whoever's in charge, come down to the media, sit down and just explain to the media what his thought process is. This is what my thought process is. We might not all necessarily agree with that, but at least we then know what the hell these oaks are thinking. Because honestly, seriously, oh, it feels like we're starting this, this podcast on a downer again because, but yeah, inconsistencies get to us, I guess. Yeah, and I also just feel like they don't announce it like well or they just need to maybe figure out a system to let the riders know because I feel like so bad for Brad. Like he's celebrating a win and it happened to him twice and feeling like you achieved something just for everyone to make such a big scene on the sides and be like, no, 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 you have to come in. And it kind of takes away from Peko and Benzeki and all of them for their win because now everyone's, what's going on with Brad? And there was all this chaos around it and it wasn't clear and you know, they were celebrating. And then after the fact, then he has to be made to feel like an idiot. Oh no, okay, I did. So I don't know, they need to figure out a better system to let them know because it, yeah, like I said, it's just a lot of chaos and it took away from the riders winning and also just people celebrating after the fact and whoever came in third also was kind of confused so I just think and the layout of the day just brings a lot of confusion. I 110% agree with you I know it's not often I disagree with you but I so agree with you guys that was our little five minute rumble getting it out there airing the laundry getting it out we're not happy about this but we're going to try and make this podcast this week a little bit more upbeat. We just needed to get it out there that that is bullshit. We do not agree. Nike. <laughs> so going from our one favorite person on the left to our other favorite person, Mr. Mark Marquez, on the right, it just seems like this. we, we should rename this podcast. Mark Marquez and Brad Binder podcast. Because I feel like sometimes it's all we talk about. Can the rest of you guys just do something interesting? <laughs> I forget about some of these guys like Fabio de Gin Antonio Shame. I think he's gonna lose his seat, but it's just on the best one of the best bikes, which is Ducati, which we all know. And he's just completely average. But anyway, I'm I'm moving off the point. Something Alberto Push. So Alberto Push is the is one of the head honchos at Honda. He, they asked him this weekend regarding Mark Marquez and his statement was Honda is not a company that would keep people who are not happy. So that is a big, big statement with the whole Mark Marquez thing that's going on. That's very interesting. Do you think that means they, if he's unhappy, they'll release him from his contract early? Keeping in mind that it's a 25 million euro, more or less, a year contract. So they would have already paid him that money, that lose 25 million euros. Do you think they'd let him go just out of his contract? Well, I think if they do, then obviously they do lose. But also, he still remains to be Mark Marquez. So when they do drop him, I don't feel like he won't have a seat on a new um, right, and now that you're saying that Danintonio is not performing, what if he goes to Ducati? Hot take. That would be interesting. That would be quite interesting. There's so many, it's like mid-season, there's so many conspiracy theories floating around. Uh, guys, just so you know, in the middle of the summer or the summer break here, yeah, we're going to do a, a podcast what we think will happen with the transfer window. But on that, I don't think him moving to Ducati is impossible. Never say never. But to me, the more realistic thing that will happen is factory has Husqvarna team, which we know is a KTM actually, um, just like the gas gas. So I think they're going to bring into MotoGP because remember Suzuki pulled out. So there's two empty slots. They need two more bikes. And I think the KTM is ready to throw more money at MotoGP. So I think they're going to do a intact, which is the team that Darren Binder actually rides for Moto2. I think they're going to bring that team 
in Kimoto GP. They're going to do an intact Husqvarna team. And it's going to be Mark Marquez on the one bike and Pedro Acosta, which is currently the Moto2 champion on the other bike. He said he's ready to come to MotoGP and, and I know KTM isn't keen on losing him. So I personally think the KTM RC16 style, Husqvarna, Gas Gas, whatever you want to call it, 16 different labels they have, that bike could really suit Mark Marquez. Because he can be competitive and run in front on a, let's just call it a Honda for now, let's not be rude. Imagine if he's on a Ducati or, or a KTM. That is, that I think would be spectacular. Yeah, another uh, term that we can't pronounce. What did you say? Husqvarna. 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 Uh, I'll just be like KTM 1, 2, and 3. Yes, I can't. Like It's KTM, guess, guess, Husqvarna. So KTM 1, 2, and 3, because there's no way we're going to remember or even attempt that. Or let's say that five times fast. Like, no, thank you. But what if they put Mark Marquez and then Darren Bender in one team? That would be interesting. That would be a team that would get a lot of media time. That is my dream. But unfortunately, Pedro Acosta, they'll need to make space of it somewhere. I was thinking the exact same thing because Darren Bender is already in the intact Husqvarna team. He has MotoGP experience. You never know. I'd love for Darren to come back because I honestly think Darren is one of the most underrated riders. And people might swear at me because it's my South African bias pulling through. But yeah, we love, we love Darren. And Darren? Darren is a... Brad Binder is a, is a, and I don't know them personally. This is just the outside assessment. Brad Binder is a cowboy on a bike. I think Darren Binder is a cowboy everywhere in life. He just looks like this wild child. Go at it. Gives zero fucks. Yes, they both are concrete cowboys. Starting a word. Okay. Concrete cowboys in the concrete jungle. It's a little tacky, but we'll go with it. No worries. Talking about mediocrity, I think we might lose... Quite a bit of listeners at this point. I don't know whether Jack Miller will ever be more than a wingman to a championship contender. He's moved from Ducati to KTM, where he used to be Peko's wingman. Make sure Peko gets everything right or whatever. And it seems like he's already fallen down the pecking order below Brad when it comes to consistency and racing and getting results. Does Jack Miller strike you as someone that is going to contend for a title ever or is he going to just be the fun personality that we all love that they should just keep him there because he's a flippin' cool guy? Don't go for my Jack so easily. Like, we're not going to just go for Miller and you need to announce when you're just going to be very spiteful and unnecessary right now. No, I'm joking. But no, I think that Brad and Miller are equally inconsistent because either one's on podium One's falling, one's on podium, one, it's like a domino, eeny, meeny, miny, mo. Whoever's bike's going to perform this week is the one who's going to win. So I would not say it's a rider thing we can look at. It's the factory that they ride for that we need to zero in on because either week someone on the KTM is having some sort of problem with their bikes. So I wouldn't say that it's a rider this year. I hear you. I don't agree with you. It's something called the Riders' Championship, which gets chosen or dictated by amounts of points scored, and that can easily show you which is the more dominant rider in the team. And yes, Brad also has his moments, but if you look at the Riders' Championship, Brad's in fourth, Jack's in seventh. So Brad is scoring more consistently than, than, than Jack. I have absolutely no quarrel with Jack. He's one of my favorite, favorite guys. I'm just saying someone needs to compete for sixth and seventh place. Is that someone Jack Miller? No, it's not. And 
like you didn't agree with me before when I told you watch the space he's gonna pick up now he's number two threat on the race track now for Pekka this is what I'm saying watch the space it was the first section of the year and now I'm on a break and then we're gonna move on to the next section of the year so I feel like this next section I feel like Jack is someone to watch and I feel like he also still has drive and a lot in him and he's not afraid Okay, well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard it here first. Jack Miller to contend for the World Championship, as said by longtime MotoGP pundit Shanae. Shanae, sorry, we digressed a little. Back to Honda. Last week, we, we did a whole little segment on is this little game we're playing. Is Honda leaving MotoGP? Are they not? What's happening? Who knows? Something that I've, I've done a little bit of a, a deeper dive into this to understand what's going on with Honda and where the problems lie. Whether they pull out or not, Here's what I'm noticing is happening. So the information we're getting is that one of the biggest problems at Honda and Yamaha, which are the Japanese guys are, they are very, as Japanese people are, they're very scared of putting out an unreliable product. So when there's something new like aero packages and stuff, it takes weeks for them to test it. They send it to Japan. They run it through 6,000 different durability tests they turn it upside down they paint it 400 different colors they throw it in 600 different wing tunnels they drive over 10 times and then they make a decision whether they want the spot or not by the time they make a decision on a part ktm aprilia and ducati has developed that part four steps further i've actually heard that ktm has a 3d printer at the track in the paddock and they print 3d print little wings and stuff that they add to the bike which they think and they decide then then does this add value yes or no so imagine so imagine someone like ktm popping a 3d printed wing on the back of a bike running it for four laps on a friday morning and they said okay this is dramatically decreasing speed or this is not good we take it off honda can have an idea it takes them six months to get to the same conclusion or yamaha as well do you think that's a mindset that will ever change well, if they want to be competitive, then they'll have to start thinking of new ways to improve and what's going to work for them and what's going to be more effective and efficient. But I'm not sure it's going to be totally their call on what they want to do if they want to stay in the MotoGP, if they want to remove their bikes. I don't know. It's going to... We'll have to see. I don't know on this one. It's going to be their call. Yeah, no, definitely. I think they are spending the money and they are doing the testing, but it's just timelines. Again, if you have someone on track testing stuff, you can't you can you can't wait six months for the same part to determine that it's not good. But anyway, I guess we can't spend a whole podcast just speaking about Mark Marquez and, and Honda and Yamaha and their and their issues. Something else I've picked up, Nike. Obviously we all know Pekka Bengaya's the first VR forty six Academy Rossi Protege to be a world champion and it seems to be going quite good. Frankie Morbidelli actually finished second in the World Championship a few years ago before Yamaha was absolute dog shit. And now Marco Bezeki is emerging as a title contender. That's three out of the VR46 Academy guys that's really throwing their names in the hat there and, and doing well. My question to you, do you think it will ever get to a point where if you are not a part of that academy, you are kind of hopeless? Do you think it's a must for the future obviously it, not everybody can go through there but you see dominance like that it makes you worry because it's the elite club that Rossi selected so how do you become a part of that elite club if you're someone like an Bashanini? is that something we should be concerned about 
I don't think so. I think, you know, if someone's really determined to get somewhere and get, achieve a goal and they'll set themselves out, it all depends on the individuals, I feel. And if I don't think they'll have to go through Rossi, obviously it will help them and it will benefit them learning from the best and being in that environment. But I mean, it took Brad a lot of determination and a lot of sacrifices for his family and himself to get there. But if you really go orientated you know you'll do what you what's necessary to make it deciding on what who gets what bikes and who gets what seats in the paddock um i have a question so how involved do you think is rossi in the motor gp um you know in deciding who gets what seats in the paddock it's a very good question obviously rossi being italian he's academy rider or being italian ducati italian yeah a lot of spanish influence as well i think we'd be stupid to say that it doesn't have an influence a guy like Frankie Morbidelli, I think, will end up on a Ducati next year. And I'm not just saying an influence on his own team, which is VR46 Academy. I'm thinking he has good relationships with guys like uh, Gigi that, that call the shots at Ducati. So I don't think if he were waves his wand, everybody jumps. But I, I do think there's a level of influence from his side. So you can't negate that. You'd be stupid to say he doesn't have influence. But uh, yeah, I don't think his word's the final say, though. Then just a little bit of a recap for those of you that uh, didn't watch the sprint or the race this weekend. Just some positions. First first place in the sprint race was Moka Bezeki. Second place, Pekka Bangaya. And then crossing over the line in third was Brad Binder. And then he got demoted. Got a three-second penalty. Fell to fifth place. So that moved Fabio Quattararo. And we should actually spend some time speaking about old Fabio because it was his first podium. So Brad getting a three-second penalty means Fabio was promoted to the podium that's great news for Fabio but it's also not the best I guess because now it means his bike is only strong on certain tracks and high corner speed tracks like Assen seem to suit the Yamaha he did better than he's done the whole year but he's still so far from being consistently competitive it's a difficult thing but well done on your third place on the podium there Fabio I have to say Fabio is one of the characters in the in the paddock that I do tend to love his big personality. He seems like a nice guy. Yes, I was very happy for Fabio. I really do like him as a person as well as a rider. And I just feel like if he got a good seat again, he would really make a difference and be someone to watch. And I think he still is someone to watch being on the best bike. Like he still stands out and there's a lot of, he draws a lot of attention to himself. So that's cool. And I also like that when he accepted um, the win because it wasn't in my opinion a solid one because obviously a penalty and then it was a forfeit one but he just the way he handled himself and how he took that one was very nice for me whereas when the same thing happened with Brad in the in the long race Alicia's Fargo was so happy and celebrating which is great for him but I just felt if I was winning like that's not the way I'd want to win and I just didn't agree with the, his whole attitude towards it but yeah, so uh, tying nicely into that, Fabio actually, the first thing he said was sorry for Brad and stuff. And I think Galatia men mentioned it once or twice as well. But Galatia was more cocky about it, saying, you know, he saw Brad Binder going over the green and he started pointing at the green when he passed Brad Binder on the start finish straight after the race. So I think Fabio handled it much better. And the first thing Fabio said was, this is not the way I want to win a race, but at this stage, I'll take it as it comes. So... I'm really hoping he gets a decent bike or Yamaha steps up because he's one of the characters that MotoGP 
really needs and uh, we need them to stick around. I always say, and, and mentioning this about Fabio now, if everybody had the same personality as, let's say, Packer Minard, what would be the most boring thing? We need Mark Marquez, we need a Jack Miller, we need a Brad Binder, we need a Pekka Benyaya, we need a Bezeki who I've now starting to realize is also quite a, quite a bit of a jokester. So we need these personalities and we need, we said last week, we need the background stories to make this sport interesting because for goodness sake, it's a thousand times more interesting if you look at the racing aspect of it than F1. So I don't know how the hell MotoGP is not bigger than F1 because the racing is a million times better. Some main race results then, just some worthy mentions. The one to just switch around Peko and Bezeki. Peko winning the main race, Bezeki second. Brad again <laughs> crossing the finish line in third and then getting a penalty afterwards to Moto in one place. So Brad finishing in fourth and then Alacious Bogger, like we men- mentioned, got the third place. Something else that I've noticed, okay, Nike, and that I want to mention, and we talked about your favorite guy, Midback Miller, earlier today. Someone that is disappointing me extremely because every weekend on a Friday, I think, shit, this guy's going to be a threat. This is his weekend. It's it's finally switch on him. It's, it's Maverick Vinales, Top Gun. Don't you think Maverick Vinales is the world's most average MotoGP rider? Yes. Yeah, so when we just when I just started watching MotoGP with you and watching more races and stuff, you explained to me that it's kind of cool because Tom Cruise is very invested with Maverick because obviously they share the whole name with his famous Top Gun movie and so forth. But other than that, he hasn't really stood up for me. He hasn't, you know, hasn't done anything significant to notes or he hasn't really put himself out there that I get to know intricate things of his personality or really shown who he is and what type of rider he is. So unfortunately for me, coming into this new season of MotoGP, I haven't really seen anything to note. I know like famous Maverick moments as everyone came to love him. Yeah, strangely enough, I don't know Maverick that well as well. I've never been overly invested in Maverick. He seems like a, a pretty decent dude. But a lot of pundits and people out there highly, highly rate Maverick Vinales on a skill level. And he's shown some levels of brilliance or some moments of brilliance, but it's never, you always think, oh, it's next week, Maverick Vinales, he was so good this week. He almost got on the podium. Next week, he's going to be so competitive. That's his type of track type of thing and that unfortunately never really gets anyway so that's a tough one another mention or shout for the week Naya Bastianini we spoke about him last week unfortunately had a crash in the main race on, on Sunday Shots, I really hope that guy just gets enough time to pull it together because I read this week in I think it was on crash.net or something I can't remember exactly where I read that they speculate that in the Ducati contract Last year when they gave Bastianini the factory seat over what team? It was a competition who's going to get the factory seat that they can swap the two of them at any time. So if Inaya doesn't perform next year, they could just do a swap. So Inaya goes to Pramac and Martin comes to the factory seat, which I don't think is the best way to do. Just don't do that to Gatti. Just don't be those guys. I don't think that's the good thing to do. The guys just got him back from a shoulder injury. Give the guy time. I think it would have hurt Ducati in the long run about how they are perceived or treating their riders if they just kick out Anaya now and put Martin in the factory team. Yes, I have to agree with you. So that would be poor sportsmanship if they just kick him out. He has been injured. This is a very high-risk sport. 
And I mean, we've seen our Alec friends I saw now also, he had within 16 days, he had two surgeries. So that's also, it's a lot on your body to take that. So I think this break will also do everyone well just to heal from their injuries. Every one of those riders is going on there with, I don't know how much painkillers and ice cubes waiting for them when they get off because everyone has their own issues and stuff that they're trying to battle and they're not super men where they just heal within hours. So I think it will be good for everyone just to heal and rest up and just get back and not race with broken ribs and dislocated shoulders. Guys, yeah, that that's basically, I want to say that's it for the week for the podcast. We've got Sinead's pick of the week left. Nike, who did you choose this week to tell us a little bit more about? Yes, so I had to go with Marco Buzeki because he really, you know, did so well this weekend and he did actually stand out for me. Their little bromance with Pekka was kind of sweet and how he was showing faces behind Pekka's interview and it kind of like stood out that he's also a character. So I just wanted to get to know him a bit better. So I saw that he also has a pet, which he has a pit bull Rubik, which is a beautiful gray silver pit bull that has a lot of energy and character like him. Then I also saw that his favorite music that he loves hip hop and rock, but his ultimate favorite is Bob Marley, which is like one of his favorites, which I find I could kind of see that for the for the guy. And then some of the best advice that he got was slow is smooth and smooth is fast. So I can kind of see that in his writing style that he is such a laid back character, but you can't really underestimate him. He really reminds me of like a Italian Darren Bender, the hairstyle, the yarbrew, everything's like a, I don't know if the Darren listens to Bob Marley, but doesn't, doesn't he give you Darren vibes a little? Very much. I could see them, you know, like if you had to have a dinner party, Darren, him, and maybe Jack Miller, all of them together, it will... You'll be watching the sun come up with them. I feel like it would be one of those nights. Then he also said if he wins a world championship, he promised that he'll do a traditional lap of honor around the circuit where he'll just be wearing his underwear. So I'm sure that that, that's not a false promise from that guy that we can see. Marco Bezeki, up until now, I've been rooting for you all the way. I just stopped. There's a lot of things I want to see in this world. You in underwear and a motorcycle is not one of them. Sorry, bud. So I can just like see him and like maybe Peko joining in and cheering together and just their motor GP. One will have motor and the other one will have GP, you know, matching speedos. Uh, this fully gives me Borat vibes. I can just see him with his Borat because he's like, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> no comments further. Comes across as one of those people that are annoyingly talented at most things they do. So, and I, see, I think a lot of these MotoGP riders are that way. You put him in a swimming team, he's going to be, want to be competitive and beat everybody. He's just like overly competitive. But I guess that's what you need to be in the top 20 best motorcycle riders in the world. Guys, thank you so much. We'll do a mid-summer break episode where we will handle some recaps of the the session or the year so far, the season so far. And we'll also chat regarding some potential transfer news and what we think is going to happen in silly season. Can't believe we're in this break again. It really makes me kind of sad, but what can we do? Five weeks, let's all stay strong together. If you need your daily dose of MotoGP, just give our socials a follow. They have been growing like immensely quick. 
I think we're on three and a half thousand followers on Facebook already. And we started that page in the beginning of the season. So, yeah, Viva Miller and Viva Dios Miller. You guys have 36,000 followers. We are coming for you. We've got our goals set and we want to we wanna knock the king off its throne. So we're coming for that number one meme supplier in the MotoGP industry. Guys, thank you so much. Enjoy the off time and keep lacquer. Sweet breeze. I look forward to your predictions on transfer news. I'm sure you will get it completely wrong. Don't forget to rate our podcast, Caleb Out.